This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Jostens, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager. I'm usually joined by Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Greg's uh, still feeling a little under the weather this week, so he will be back, I'm sure, after the holidays once he's good and rested. We have a wonderful guest for you today, uh, Josh Rawich, president of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Really, really fun chat with Josh. I mean, obviously, with, with Fred McGriff just being elected uh, recently, we thought now would be a great time to to have Josh. Or we just thought, you know, hey, if we could just get a rep from the, the Baseball Hall of Fame on, that'd be great. And Greg said, oh, I'll, I'll reach out to Josh. He's the president. And I went, OK, that will work. So really fun talk with Josh talking all things Hall of Fame and, and a lot of Braves related things to the Hall of Fame as well. So before we get into that, though, I uh, want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Jostens. Of course, they've been our title sponsor all year. It's been a, a really fun partnership with them. If you haven't already done so, head over to jostens.com slash Braves. Check out all of the cool merchandise inspired by the 2021 Atlanta Braves World Series Championship ring. Whatever kind of jewelry you're looking for, whether it's a gift for somebody else or for yourself or just something cool and unique for the Braves fan in your life, jostens.com slash Braves is where you can find it. So without uh, any further ado, let's get right into our conversation with the president of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Josh Rawich. Well, hey, Josh, thanks so much for joining us here on Behind the Braves. This is a real treat. I mean, we were we were getting ready. We were hoping for two former Braves to go into the Hall of Fame, but we were thrilled that, that Fred McGriff was able to be elected. And Greg and I started talking. It's like, you know, why have we not had somebody from the Hall of Fame on? And Greg goes, well, I I know Josh. He's the president of the Hall of Fame. I was like, well, that, yeah, that that's a that would be somebody from the Hall of Fame, wouldn't it, Greg? So um, we very much appreciate you. I'm I mean, obviously, I love baseball, have my whole life. I'm also a history nerd, not just sports, but everything. So I, I could I have a, a zillion questions. I'll do the best to, to pare it down so I don't keep you here all day. Uh, no but I want to talk about you and your your career first. I mean, uh, I've read up on you, but for our listeners, I mean, the, the path on how you got here, how did you get here? And And coming out of school, I mean, did you always know baseball like you wanted to work in baseball in some capacity? Yeah, you know, I grew up a huge fan, just like you. Anybody that that obviously works in the game the way that we do, you've got to truly love it. And so, I since I was a kid, I've loved it. But I went to school at Indiana University, and uh, my freshman year, I thought I wanted to be a broadcaster. Ultimately, somebody, a professor, told us to send our resumes to our hometown teams. And next thing you know, I'm interning for the Dodgers out of dumb luck, and I spent about 15 years there in various capacities, marketing and communications, and then uh, and then moved over to the Diamondbacks for a decade and. And ultimately, about a year and a half ago, moved my family to Cooperstown for this incredible role. So, I mean, it's it's been the only job I've ever had has been in, in baseball, but I really it's hard to consider it a job. I mean, I have been incredibly lucky to work in the game that I've loved since I was basically 18 years old. Did, did you always think you'd be on the club side or was there some part in the back of your mind that thought maybe like Hall of Fame or something like that could be on the horizon someday? No, you know, what's funny is I I, I almost have spent the last year and a half trying to like figure out why it is that those of us on the club side don't think of the 
Cooperstown is a place to work. I mean, in in some ways, it's like the 31st team. It's obviously quite different in the sense that it's a it's a nonprofit, it's a museum. But when you talk about working in baseball, there's really almost no better place than than right here doing it. And, and, um, so I, I can't say I ever crossed my mind until um, my predecessor called and said, Hey, I think you might be a good person to replace me once he had announced he was leaving. And I went into my wife and said, you're not going to believe the call I got. And, uh, you know, you go through the interview process I met with the search committee, which was a pretty daunting group, but ultimately it landed in, and, uh, here I am about a year and a half later. Living, living in Cooperstown and getting to, to do this every single day, it's an incredible blessing. How, so as somebody that spent the better part of the last couple of decades in, in L.A. and Phoenix, how has that transition been to uh, to Cooperstown, New York? I'm, I did kind of the opposite. I grew up in Virginia in the mountains, like in the middle of nowhere, and then always been a Braves fan, so moved to Atlanta a few years ago. So I've kind of done the reverse of that, and I've loved it, but I still... <laughs> Coming from the small town life, it's, I, I like it. So how's that transition the other way been for you? You know, it's been awesome. I mean, this this place is so welcoming. Cooperstown's an unreal place to really to raise a family, to live, to work. And uh, we did get about four inches of snow a couple of days ago. So, I, I mean, walking around on Main Street as I as we're recording this, I'm looking out my window and it it looks like a movie set. I mean, it is truly unbelievable, the, the beautiful snow. And um, it's just it's such a special place to to live and work. And so. The transition, obviously, the cold is a little bit different than what I've been used to, and certainly the small town nature of it is. But um, there's so many amazing things about this place that uh, I just feel incredibly blessed to be here. That's great. So I I know working in baseball, I mean, I so background on me, I I oversee our social media channels. I, of course, do the podcast and I'm part of the marketing team on, on a lot of our broader marketing efforts for the team. So while in theory, I have maybe a couple like a typical day in the life of my career in baseball you really don't which is weird so what is a typical work day like for you and i say that knowing that there probably aren't many that are that two that are the same but what like an average day for you at the hall of fame how would that go well it's it's interesting i probably spend most of my time on on one of three things one is Obviously, in my role as the president, I've got to be looking out for the entire enterprise. So on, on some days, I could be focused on on sponsorship or communications issue or um, something having to do with the election of Hall of Famers or the actual operation of museum dealing with admissions or or the merchandise, the store that we have here. So running a 100-person enterprise, obviously, is the same whether you're Derek Schiller at the Braves or me here at, at the organization that I'm running Um it, it's pretty much the same from that standpoint. You're trying to build a culture, spend a lot of time thinking about the people and how to how to lead and motivate the staff that you have. But then the other two things that I think are probably a little bit different is obviously most days I'm probably in touch with some Hall of Famer. It's kind of part of the job where um, it might be, I don't know, Goose Gossage is called looking for a uniform that he can that he can auction off at an upcoming charity event, or I might be touching base with somebody who's dealing with some health issues, or I might be dealing with somebody who's going to be coming to visit Cooperstown soon. So there's, I would say many times a week I'm on the phone or texting with uh, one of our, our living hall of fame members, which is unbelievable. And then the third thing is, is development. I mean, we're a, we're a nonprofit organization and I don't think a lot of people realize that, but so we do spend quite a bit of time thinking about, okay, how can we, raise funds to to preserve the history of the game. That's ultimately what we're here to do is to make sure that when when your grandkids and everybody else's future grandkids show up here, that, that Cooperstown is still this amazing place and that the Hall of Fame operates this way. So a lot of our time is spent fundraising and figuring out how to 
how to keep the lights on and keep things moving in this place. I, I have to ask, cause I, I've had a little bit of this, of this feeling myself of I've worked in the game. Uh, this will be my eighth season with the Braves. Uh, I've done some work previously with, with major league baseball and I'm always a professional and whoever I'm dealing with, but inside there is still that fanboy in me. That's like, you know, even doing the show, I'm like, like, why, how in the world did I end up sitting in Greg Maddox's house? Like talking <laughs> to him, we were fortunate to have the late great Hank Aaron on with us. You know, we've had Chipper, we've had all these, uh, any, pretty much anybody from the Braves that's still with us, we, we've we talked to. And while I'm a professional, I still internally, I just think, gosh, how did I, like, I want to pinch myself, you know, how mm -hmm. am I still, how am I talking to, how am I getting to sit here and talk to Dale Murphy or, or Phil Necro or whoever? Do you still get that? Even though you're talking to Hall of Famers every day, do you still kind of have that feeling inside? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no way not to have it. When you grow up watching these guys and the names you're mentioning, are a lot of the same ones I grew up watching, whether it was Dale Murphy or, or, I mean, pick your Hall of Famer. These guys are all people that I grew up loving and being around. So you, I think I'm I'm always definitely aware that the person I'm talking to has accomplished incredible things in their life. And that's a really whether it's a hall of famer or whether it's somebody who's done other great things. I've always found that really interesting to, to spend time around people at the top of their field. But I don't know, I guess also because I've been in the game since I was 18 early on, somebody just told me, you know, they're, they're just humans and you got to treat them like humans because if you start revering them, you lose track of the fact that they are just like you and me in so many ways. So I, I think I, I never want to lose sight of that. Um, certainly there are times where I'll be awestruck at the conversation I'm having with somebody, but I think I've tried to try to compartmentalize that, like you said, and just go about it as, Hey, you know what? We're very lucky to do what we do. I don't lose sight of that, but I also don't, uh, like you said, fanboy out over every conversation I'm having. Yeah. I think I was lucky the first time I got to speak with Hank, we had some time after the interview to just chit chat and he was kind enough. He didn't have anywhere else to be for a little bit. So we just talked and we just talked. He was just asking me where I was from. And we talked about just kind of life stuff. And I came away from that going, you know, I just felt like I was talking to my granddad. And that, I think that served me very well because I it, it kind of reinforced that, that while there is that part of me that's like, oh, my gosh, this is Hank Aaron. There was a part that like he's a human being just like me and how special that is just to be able to connect with somebody like that. I mentioned, of course, the recent election of Fred McGriff, the Contemporary Air Committee. I mean, were you look, they elected somebody. But I, I wonder, is it that much more satisfying? Are you pleased when somebody is not only elected, but a, a elected in unanimous fashion? I felt like there's something extra special about that, I would think. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I think it certainly sent a message uh, publicly that, that the committee felt he was truly kind of missed by the BBWAA. And that's not a knock on, on the baseball writers. It's the whole purpose of these era committees is to make sure that nobody kind of slips between the cracks. And I think I think I saw a quote this week from Fred that said, you know, you hit 492 home runs and you're you're a good player. You hit 500. You're a great player. And I mean, the the reality is it was pretty clear when 16 people voted for him that they all believed he belongs in the Hall of Fame. So I wouldn't say it's any more satisfying necessarily for me, but certainly for him, I would think it just tells him what he probably already felt for the last 15 years is. And I probably belonged in here. And it's it's too bad that he didn't make it in um, it, through the the other process. But. The good news is he's he's here. He's able to enjoy it, and he's going to have an incredible, an incredible year ahead. I mean, we've already had the chance to spend some time with him in in San Diego at the winter meetings, and you can just see the the joy in his face. Um, I'm sure you've probably gotten to at least spend some time around him. I, I'm sure I know Greg obviously did, and um, lots of others. But I I had him for one year at the Dodgers when I was in the PR department there, and I just if I can I think the one thing I remember it wasn't his best year it was towards the end of his career. 
but I just remember this like huge smile. And every time I'd go over to him and, and ask him to do something from a media standpoint or whatever, he would always give me this like very furrowed brow look like, what are you talking about? And then he'd break into this big grin. And I just, the big grin is what I remember about him. He's, he's, a, he's an awesome guy, as you all know, and clearly a beloved Brave, a beloved Blue Jay, a beloved Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer. He's got a great laugh, too. Very, uh, very infectious laugh. Unique laugh, I would say. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I got a text from another one of his Tampa guys, uh, Luis Gonzalez, who's probably, if I had to pick my favorite player I've ever worked with in, in 30 years in the game, Gonzo has just become a great friend, and, and I worked with him both at the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. And so as we were wandering through the hallways at the winter meetings and Fred was with me, I got a text from Gonzo saying, uh, tell, tell the crime dog I say hello and make sure he does that Eddie Murphy laugh for you. And it is. It's a very, it's a very distinct laugh. That uh, As soon as I said it to him and I said Gonzo just texted me this, he immediately laughed in that fashion. So. Good stuff. That's great. I've 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 heard nothing uh, but great things about Luis Gonzalez over the years. I, I ten years ago, random story. I I um, was working for MLB, and as part of this gig, I was writing like some trying to write funny little skits or parody songs. And anyways, we had Jeff Francoeur come in uh, while he was with the Royals, and I wrote just like a, a tribute or an ode to Jeff Francoeur to play for him when he was there. And one of the key lines of it was talking about how he'd thrown out Luis Gonzalez twice in one game. And somebody knew somebody who then, maybe it was Francoeur himself, who texted the clip to Luis Gonzalez. And I don't remember, I don't think I can repeat verbatim what he said. It's probably not appropriate for our show here, but the gist of it was he really thought it was funny and got a kick out of it. And that, that meant a lot to me that he like, it's like, okay, this is how I know this is a good dude. He can laugh yeah. at himself and he got a kick out of it. So there you go. what uh, talking about how Fred got elected. So I looked at the names of the contemporary era committee and man, that's kind of a who's who in of itself. How, how does, how are those like, how is that committee? How do you determine the members of that committee? So there's a couple of us really internally who are really heavily engaged in the process. And what we'll do is we'll put together what we think is a fair group of people. Um, you obviously want to have a, a, a good number of Hall of Famers, living Hall of Famers, six, seven, maybe sometimes eight Hall of Famers. You also need to have executives, whether it's general managers, club owners, team presidents who have been in the game for a long time and who have a, a, an incredible reputation where they're kind of unassailable. People respect them and people know that they know what they're talking about. And then we try to mix in some historians slash journalists, writers. And so um, what we'll do is we'll come up with a list of people that really don't have deep, deep ties or not a lot of them have deep, deep ties to the players in the ballot. It's hard because free agency, you now have a lot of guys who have played on a lot of teams. So someone like Fred is actually hard to avoid. I know Greg Maddox is obviously, as you know, on the committee. And so Clearly, that, but but we wouldn't have wanted to have a committee full of '90s Braves, and we could have. There's so many Hall of Famers. If you if you wind up stacking the ballot too much, stacking the committee too much, one way or the other, the results kind of happen accidentally. And so, what we do is we look for people that we know are going to go into the room that are fair, that are going to be honest about a judgment, even if they played with somebody and they didn't think that person was a Hall of Famer that they would speak their mind when the time comes up. And then we we bring that group to the board. The board of directors of the Hall of Fame weighs in and uh, and shares any thoughts, concerns with with the group. And and then we go out and start making some phone calls and seeing uh, who's who's able to make it down to the winter meetings. And it's, uh, I mean, you could just, you could, you know, when you talk to it, particularly, well, actually, I wouldn't say even just the Hall of Famers, anybody on that committee, it's a pretty cool call to make that they're just incredibly honored to be asked to do this duty. It's not something anybody takes lightly People really take take it seriously. They study it. They think about it. They're allowed to ask opinions of other people. 
um, before they go in there so that they're bringing in more than just their own life experiences. And then ultimately, once you get in there, every, every name comes up, they get discussed, and then the process of voting happens at the very end. That's cool. Uh, so obviously, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm going to respect whatever hat is on uh, Fred's plaque, uh, whichever that ends up being. Uh, if it's not a Braves hat, I would personally love it if it could be the Tom Amansky hat. I think that would be the most fitting thing as a child of the 90s who watched Sports oh, Center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that probably be around the same age. I remember it well. Yep. Yep. Every, I mean, every day we 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 had Fred on last summer, and we asked him about that, and it's uh, his whole breakdown of how that came to be, filming it, and then the subsequent decade where he had to look look up at that commercial every day was uh, was pretty funny. So, talking about the Hall of Fame itself and the Braves, what is maybe the coolest, in your opinion, Braves artifact or display at the at the hall? Or if there is, is there a singular artifact? And I know there's, God only knows how many artifacts you guys have there that not just on display, but in the archives, I can't yeah. even imagine. But yeah. uh, what, what are some of the coolest or maybe the coolest Braves items there on display? Well, so there's about 40,000 total artifacts that we have in our collection. Um, and about 10% of those are above ground. Uh, so 4,000 or so are part of our displays. And then that other 90% center down in the in the archives you know it's it's a bit of a cop-out i can't say i'm as familiar having only done this for about a year and a half as maybe somebody who's been here for that long but i have the easy the easy answer that i got to help collect a ton of the world series artifacts last year um so certainly jock peterson's pearls um that was i'll tell you that was an amazingly cool artifact to ask him for um we we had kind of decided you know, as we go through the process in the World Series, who who are we going to ask and what are we going to ask of them? Um, and so we, myself and John Chestakovsky, our vice president, are at the World Series. And we we had been saying, you know, could we ask Jock for the pearls? There's such a huge storyline. If the Braves win, we should probably try to ask. Um, but then we're like, you know what? Most of the time you're asking a guy for a bat or cleats or a glove that's a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks. This is not, I mean, to to ask somebody for that is kind of crazy. And so we, we we had an incredible, we were down in the clubhouse after the Braves won last year. And there, there are a lot of really cool artifacts on display, basically through the end of this week as part of the Autumn Glory exhibit. Um, and then it will turn over and and, uh, and become Astros artifacts. But um, as w- the clubhouse kind of starts to wind down and guys are showering and they're they're getting dressed and the party's over and they're all walking in their cars, Jock walks by and he had seen us talking to Max Breed and talking to, Dan's me and everybody else. And we're getting artifacts from everyone. And uh, as he walks by, I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm I'm going for it. And I said, uh, you know, Jock, we were going to ask you for those pearls, but we, we those are real. So we can't ask you for it. And he kind of laughs and he keeps walking and he stops and he turns around and looks back at me and he goes, wait, are you serious? And I said, I'm serious if you're serious. <laughs> and he's like, give me a minute. And he leaves and he walks away and he comes back. He said, I just called my jeweler. And the jeweler said, if, uh, if I want to donate these to the Hall of Fame, he'll make me another pair. And I was like, perfect. He said, can I wear them in the parade? I said, absolutely. Just send them to us after that. And so he did. And so, I mean, that's a really incredible artifact. I mean, you could, we have obviously an entire exhibit focused on Hank Aaron and his whole collection is here. So take your pick. I mean, his locker, his his actual locker is here. I mean, Eddie Matthews, Bruce Suter. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Amazing Braves names through history. But um, but certainly being able to have my first World Series going around to several of these guys and asking them, would you be willing to donate an artifact from from this World Series is pretty cool. And they've been on display all year here since last uh, since last November. And they're just coming down right now that well, as somebody who was here and for that whole run and literally watch an entire city transform in a couple of weeks where grown men everywhere, not just in the ballpark, I mean, out in the city are walking around wearing pearl necklaces 
fake or real, all of them, and, and seemingly, and at the ballpark, I mean, it was seemingly everybody was wearing them. I, I love that. I think that's the perfect answer because if you're a modern day Braves fan and you were here, you lived through that. I mean, that might be the, as funny as it sounds, it might be the biggest one symbol of that entire World Series run is that pearl necklace. I mean, uh, we all here in the office, we have our World Series rings, which that's like my most cherished possession okay. now. And it's got right in the side, it's got that pearl in it. I mean, that's, and that was a huge, that's a huge feature of it. So hard to top yeah. that. Yeah, well, we, we, try to, we try to tell stories through the artifacts. And so whether it was this year, Dusty Baker's toothpicks, I mean, there's a lot of incredibly cool bats, balls, gloves, you name it, uniforms, etc. But we try to find some unique ones and certainly Jock's Pearl's uh, fall into that category. Dusty's, see now, even beyond the Braves, I mean, seeing Dusty's toothpicks, I mean, that's watching him for, it seems like most of my life now, the manager, he's always got that toothpick there. So I personally, I was... That was kind of my rooting interest in this World Series. If we couldn't be there, I wanted to see Dusty finally get his. So that's cool. Beyond the Braves, like what are some of your favorite things in, in the in the museum on display? Oh, man, there are so many cool things. It is, it is so hard to answer this question when we get it. But a, a few that kind of just jump out at me. I mean, we have a, a bat from Babe Ruth that he used to hit a, a very large number of his, his 60 home runs in 1927. Can't remember the exact number, but we know because he put a notch each time he homered, like a, took a razor and put a notch in the bat, wow. there's a little there's a little piece of uh, paper on the bat that says each notch represents an apple knocked out of the ball orchard by the great Bambino. So that I mean that's oh that's God. an incredibly cool piece of history. I mean I grew up a Dodger fan in Los Angeles, and um, you know when I when when I was a young intern at the Dodgers, I went and talked to Fred Clare, our general manager, um, who was I, I idolized this guy. He was the one that put together the '88 team that won the World Series when I was a kid, and so. Um, when I got this job, Fred Claire emailed and said, hey, be sure to look after the ball. I donated the last out of the 88 World Series that's on display. And every once in a while, I'll walk by and just kind of make sure it looks good. And um, you walk by a Jackie Robinson's plaque boggles my mind every time I walk by it. But any of the plaques, you literally could go into every single exhibit and there's something there. We have a baseball and we have lots, several baseballs from our collection that date back to the, the Civil War time. Um, just unbelievable stuff that uh, you could easily spend. I could, I could spend the next two hours telling you amazingly cool artifacts I've seen in the last 15 months, and I'd, I'd still be going an hour from now. So it's, uh, yeah, pick. I mean, pick your team. And there's, there's Roberto Clemente's hat that he wore when he had his 3,000th hit. Obviously, ultimately his last hit. Just over and over, you walk around this place, and anybody who has any sort of interest in the game, even remotely. I think you just get chills seeing what's part of the collection. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. That's amazing. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting married in March, and I think after the honeymoon, I think my bride-to-be understands that I'm a lifelong baseball fan, and I've still not been able to go to Cooperstown. So I think she understands that that's like, like, honey, at one point we are taking a weekend trip and we're going to Cooperstown. I'm I'm crossing this off my sports bucket list. I have to see it. So I can't wait to get up there and see everything myself. And so for fans who maybe want to attend induction weekend next year, they're going to see Fred McGriff get inducted and, you know, possibly some others here once uh, the, the the next voting is, is revealed. What are some things that a fan that hasn't been to induction weekend before, what are some things they can expect? And just what's your favorite part of induction weekend? I mean, it looks I'm always just like kind of envious from afar. And again, I'm it's on the bucket list. I'm going to get up there one of these days. But what are some things that uh, that fans can expect coming to their first induction weekend? Well, it's a it's an incredibly amazing thing to watch when this little town of 2000 people becomes a haven for tens of thousands of people. And um, so first thing I would say, if you're thinking about coming, set up your reservations now. I mean, it's it's pretty important to find a hotel um, there, even if you're 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away in Oneonta or an hour away in Utica or Albany. It's very, very challenging to find a hotel. So if you're thinking about coming, definitely book your Friday night, Saturday night stays or pretty much now. But the, the, what's really cool is there is a lot of stuff going on throughout the weekend. So you have the, the parade is an incredibly unique thing right down the middle of Main Street. All of the Living Hall of Famers are on a different truck on, on Saturday night. They, they start at kind of the, the hotel where they're all staying and then they just make their way and a lot of them hop off and either sign autographs for fans or wave to the fans. And, um, and then usually the, the most recent electees are the actual the kind of back of the, the parade. So Fred will be one of the last couple guys coming down main street. And I think that's really cool. It's free to the public, obviously on Saturday night, the event itself on Sunday, it's free to the public. If you just want to come and bring a blanket or a chair, but if you, if you're interested in getting one of the reserve seats, you can become a member of the hall of fame and membership comes with seating. So that's, that's pretty important. If you're, if you're wanting to sit comfortably in a chair, as opposed to just pull up a, a picnic blanket and, um, there's, there's a bunch of other really cool stuff. We have a couple other honorees, the, um, the Frick award and the baseball writers association award, both are given away on Saturday. And there's just, there's honestly what I would tell people and, and this goes for you too, Ricky, that you want to, you want to see induction weekend. And I highly recommend coming for that. Hopefully you can come as part of the, the Braves crew that's here, but you also want to try to come on a weekend when it's, when it's not as chaotic because the, you, it does become quite full in the museum and a bit of a challenge. So, um, I tell people all the time, enough of this bucket list stuff, get it on your to-do list and check it off. Make sure you get up here. That's what, well, I, that's absolutely what I'm going to do. And so, and for anybody listening, if you're, if you're interested in, in checking out what Josh was talking about there, you want to become a member baseballhall.org, which beyond joining the the hall or, or donating, it's just, it's a, it's a fantastic resource in of itself. If you're just, if you just love the game, like everybody, like we do, and like everybody that listens to this show does, uh, it's just a great place to go. Well, Josh, I could, I could ask you baseball history questions and artifact questions all day, uh, but I don't want to take up any more of your time. You've been gracious enough uh, as it is. So thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we look forward to induction weekend next year. And uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm going to get up there here sooner rather than later. So, but thank you for the time. Very much appreciated. It's our pleasure. We look forward to getting Braves country up this way. And uh, there's, there's so much cool brave stuff. When you walk around here, you're going to want to check it out. So I look forward to seeing everybody up here. 
Our thanks again to Josh Rowitz for joining us here on Behind the Braves, presented by Jostens. After we stopped recording, Josh mentioned to me that he wanted to, for all you Braves fans out there listening, he wanted to mention that even though the the Braves World Series, 2021 World Series display will soon be changed out for the most recent World Series champion Astros, uh, that all 30 teams have a locker on display in the Baseball Hall of Fame that has various artifacts from the team's history and that Jock Peterson's pearls will indeed move over to the Braves locker. So if you're not going by the Hall of Fame this week, but you're going to go sometime in the next year, you will still have a chance to see Jock Peterson's pearl necklace that he wore throughout that amazing 2021 World Series run. So I know that's something I want to see. I remember seeing Jock wear it during that run here at Truist Park and in Houston against the Astros. But to see it on display in the Hall of Fame, I think that's a whole nother level of uh well, just something special to to experience. So certainly wanted to mention that. And uh, we thank, thank Josh again for his time uh, with us here today. Well, that'll about do it. We hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday season with your friends and family. And uh, hey, when we get back, it'll be it'll be time for a new season of Braves Baseball and Behind the Braves. So for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you soon.